Today's Cloudcast is sponsored by our friends at The CyberWire. If you have trouble keeping up with the latest cybersecurity news, we recommend The CyberWire's daily podcast. Each day, they give you an informative 20-minute recap of the latest and most important updates in the industry. They keep their content concise, accessible, and relevant, separating the signal from the noise in an industry overloaded with information and competing messages. We here at the Cloudcast, we listen to stay up to date every day, and we think you should too. So subscribe to The CyberWire today. You can visit thecyberwire.com slash subscribe or search for The CyberWire, C-Y-B-E-R-W-I-R-E, in your favorite podcast app. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to The Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. We have both of us for Cloud News this week. How you doing, Brian? I'm good. I'm just, I'm back from KubeCon. So I, uh, I, I was promised great weather in San Diego and... As KubeCon has now become anywhere KubeCon goes, they get the worst of weather. So we got uh, we got the only rain they've had in San Diego in four months. But uh, other than that, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, and that's a perfect segue. So KubeCon continues to grow. Uh, what was it? Probably about eight thousand last yeah, year in Austin. Yeah, about eight thousand in Austin last year. About tw- a little more than twelve thousand this year. So um, you know. Kubernetes uh, still has a buzz and, and seems to be generating a lot more people have interest in it. So yeah, it was an interesting show. It's um, it's it's a it's a weird show because it's not a vendor show, so you don't walk away from it going, oh, there were six new announcements. It's more like, you know, how much has the community grown? How much does the community still get along? And uh, and generally, it's still you know a lot of kumbaya. So it was it was good. It was uh, a lot of energy in the show. That's good. That's good. And. You know, uh, the other thing I'm finding, because I haven't uh, been um, and, and wasn't this year, but what was interesting to me is, so I'm going to, to AWS reInvent, which will be next week. And, you know, you and I both went for a number of years and, you know, reInvent was like for a while there, VMware, VMworld was the place to go. Then reInvent right. was the place to go. KubeCon feels like the place to be because I was, I was like, oh, or, you know, is so-and-so going to be around or and everyone's like, no, 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 we're, we're at KubeCon. We're not going to yeah. go to that. So I, I, I feel like there is, you know, granted, there's still a, what, like a hundred plus thousand people going to AWS, but there is a certain contingent that is definitely more KubeCon centric and less reInvent centric. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely different audiences, and and KubeCon is still at a size where you can get to you can get to sessions, and you can you know I mean, reinvents an awesome show. The logistics are, as we've mentioned, sort of a nightmare. Uh, like I'm going to be watching a lot of it from from video, but uh, yeah, different different audiences. Definitely more of an open source crowd, and uh, but yeah, it's good good for the CNCF to continue to keep growing, and uh, and good to see you know so many people are are attending the thing. So it's always good when technology is growing. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And since we did mention AWS, let's kind of move on to that for our next um, story here. So in addition to the show getting bigger and bigger every year, the announcements are getting more and more every year. And we're to the point where, you know, it's almost like Black Friday sales here in the States for Thanksgiving before Black Friday. Yeah. Um, we're starting to do AWS announcements, you know, before the event and a lot of them. Yeah. So, so as a, as a teaser, uh, next week's show will basically be a review of, of AWS, uh, of reInvent. So last year we, we took all the announcements, at least as many as we could find, kind of organized them for you. So we organized them kind of by functional areas. Um, we'll do that again this year. We'll kind of do some reviews of what we think are probably the most important ones. We'll make you a big list. It'll be easy to go find them. Uh, the, the crazy thing is, um, 
like like we mentioned, there there are so many of them. And again, a lot of these are just like incremental things. So don't don't freak out. Like they don't have 900 new services, but like two weeks ago they were announcing new storage capabilities. And this last week they had like, or this week they had like 65 press release announcements. So, you know, if nothing else, uh, Jeff Barr is uh, gamefully employed. His entire team of bloggers is gamefully employed. Um, and we will have lots and lots of coverage of AWS reInvent uh, in next week's show. Yeah. And, and I just want to tack on there. So just like you mentioned, it was like 65 press releases in one week, and that's not even the main set of announcements. Right. You know, most companies are happy to get one, maybe two out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Next week is the, <laughs> next week is the absolutely best week. If you're in tech to release bad news or, you know, <laughs> you got bad earnings, drop them next week. If you, uh, <laughs> if you're selling your company, drop it next week because nobody will pay attention to it. So you will be yeah. out there and, and hopefully we'll get some good insight from you on it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So moving on to the next one, Google Cloud, um, Thomas Kurian uh, is on a buying spree here. Um, and uh, latest acquisition was was Cloud Simple. Um, the, the easiest way I had to think about it was um, fully integrated VMware migration tool. Um, and I, I kind of had a little bit of color around this one. You know, I, I, I jokingly have heard in the community and, and this week and kind of, you know, in some of the back channels, it was like, well, they had to buy them before somebody else did because whoever was going to buy them first, you know, has the ability to maybe shut off the migration to all the other paths because, you know, it was kind of this, this equal opportunity migration path to AWS to Azure and to GCP. And so this assures them a, a, you know, very well-known and pretty popular tool in the industry. Industry, it, it kind of locks it up. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me because everybody has already bought a migration tool. So, I mean, you know, AWS like had bought another one. I think we covered this five or six months ago. Like they bought another one that was a migration tool. You know, uh, Microsoft bought one a couple of months ago. This is the second one that, that VMware has bought. They had bought Velostrata. So, um, you know, if there's any doubt in anybody's mind that uh, the cloud providers would like you to run in their cloud as opposed to, you know, maybe prioritizing some of their new on-prem services, uh, you know, kind of follow the money, as they say. Um, they, they would very much like you to run in their cloud, and they're going to try and provide a lot of tools, you know, at least VM-centric tools to help you migrate VMs. And that's a it's not only a big business for them, but, man, it's a, it's a big business for, for all the SIs. Like, most of the SIs have entire businesses of just doing VM cloud migration. Um, Probably something to worry about if you are VMware or VMware admin, because uh, the cloud providers are coming not only for your your applications, but your jobs to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last one we had on the list, and we'll wrap up cloud news of the week. Um, and, and this one is uh, kind of kind of in my space, kind of my, my job space as well. I know, um, you know, there is a, a section of the Clouderati and the Twitterati and, and the analyst community and all who all just said, well, Red Hat's going to buy, or I'm sorry, IBM's going to buy Red Hat. They will blue wash them. You will never hear again from uh, from Red Hat, and uh, you know they'll be like every other acquisition. Uh, very interesting. This last week, um, IBM announced a whole bunch of new functionality on top of OpenShift. So um, just sort of the opposite is happening. Not a lot of blue washing. A lot of sort of um, you know Red Hat sort of driving some of where IBM strategy is going. So uh, you know backup capabilities being added around OpenShift. Um, hybrid cloud security capabilities being added, um, key management being added around Kubernetes. So it's interesting to watch IBM very much get aligned to the Red Hat strategy of, of hybrid cloud and Kubernetes and OpenShift. And I thought it was sort of interesting, uh, especially given kind of all the feedback that I heard personally uh, when the acquisition went down and uh, kind of all the pundits telling us uh, where where I, what IBM was going to do. So a lot, kind of 180 degrees from where people thought things were going. And uh, we'll get those links in the show notes for all of the, the things of this week's cloud news of the week. 
Fantastic. And that'll uh, kind of wrap it up uh, for this week. Yeah, we have a very interesting interview for those of you that are interested in, in getting your developers more engaged, developer programs, how to get your developers on board your platform. You're definitely going to want to listen to this interview. So let's get to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Datadog, the cloud-scale monitoring service that provides comprehensive visibility into public cloud, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud environments with over 250 integrations. Datadog unifies your metrics, logs, and distributed request traces into one platform, so you can investigate and troubleshoot issues across every layer of your stack. Use Datadog's rich, customizable dashboards and algorithmic alerts to monitor cloud migrations in real time. To start a free trial today and Datadog sending you a free t-shirt, visit datadoghq.com cloudcast to get started. That's datadoghq.com cloudcast. And we're back. Aaron, you know, one of the things, uh, I was out at the KubeCon show last week and I had an interesting comment from a friend of ours who has been in the, the infrastructure space for a long time, has been covering the industry for a long time, the infrastructure space. And he said, you know, this was really kind of the, the inflection point for him where he said, this thing is, is it's not about infrastructure anymore. It's all about developers. Um, I don't know if you're necessarily seeing that. I know you've been, you've been at uh, reInvent or going to be at reInvent, you were at Ignite. Are, are you seeing that as well? Oh, completely, completely. It is really interesting to see how this industry has kind of uh, not quite flipped on its head. That might be in, you know, over rotation a little bit, but without a doubt is changing the way we're approaching all of this. Um, and you and I historically, uh, you know, we've said it before, we can, tend to come from a bit of an operations background, but it's definitely been a, a shift in culture and a shift in approach. And it's it's really fascinating to follow and, and be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that uh, we have been, yeah, like you said, we've been learning it probably more more and more over the last four or five years. And so I thought, you know, something I hear all the time from, from companies that are, you know, trying to build software better, they're going through digital transformation, they're doing DevOps, whatever they're, they're calling their evolution. Um, a lot of times they're like, how do we better engage our developers? How do we get them to use the platforms that we're using? How do we get them to work better together? And so I thought, well, you know, what, what better way to do that than to talk to some people that have been building successful developer programs for a while. And so very excited to have Mark Weitzel, who is the VP and general manager uh, from New Relic of the New Relic One platform. So Mark, welcome aboard. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. So um, before we kind of get started and, and talk about New Relic One and, and the things you're doing uh, at New Relic, um, let's talk a little about you and your background. You, um, you know, first and foremost, we always love to have people who are from the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, you're, you're local, so that's, that's always good. But give us a little bit of your background, sort of what you were doing prior to New Relic and sort of what got you excited about being in the developer space, helping developers be successful. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I love it and definitely uh, happy to represent... Uh, uh, the Raleigh, Durham area, and, and the Bull City. It is nice to have some local folks, so definitely there. Um, interestingly enough, what brought me to Raleigh, Durham from South Florida was IBM, um, and I spent a number of years working in Research Triangle Park at IBM, um, where I've really had a long history of building platforms and building ecosystems around that, going back to uh, when I led a couple of open source projects at IBM, uh, which then led to uh, joining this small startup in Palo Alto, although I was able to stay local, um, where we built an entire application platform around the social business space. This was Jive Software, uh, really thinking about um, how do we uh, expose the power of the platform to developers to build innovative applications on top of that. Um, and then did the same same kind of thing at, at Sugar CRM, where 
really grew this ecosystem of partners and developers building uh, CRM type applications on the platform. And that's, that's led to this uh, journey at New Relic where we are uh, be building you know, the world's first observability platform, meaning you can write software on it, you can develop on it, and you can write a new kind of application, this observability application that lets you go uh, beyond dashboards, if you will. Nice, nice. So Mark, um, before we dig into the New Relic developer platform or program specifically, wanted to get your perspective on exactly what it means to be a developer these days as we kind of, you know, Brian and I talked about briefly in the intro, you know, in your mind, is, is it app dev? Is it dev ops? Is it data scientist? Is it business analyst? You know, like there's lots and lots of personas, if yeah. you will, around being a developer. So tell us a little bit about what you, your, your thoughts on that before we dig deeper. Yeah, it seems like, um, it seems like it's all of those and more, and and it's so uh, it's so hard to sort of isolate down into a specific thing. And and I really believe that you know a developer is somebody who's who's bringing value through software and the things that they're doing. Um, we know right now that the the world's becoming more and more digital, and we've seen the IDC report that says you know fifty percent of the global GDP is gonna is gonna come through software and, and come through digital. And with cloud, this is becoming more and more accessible. And so we're seeing people from different backgrounds come into becoming developer and, the, and their developer population growing uh, more and more. And what we're trying to do at New Relic is we're trying to meet people where they are. We're trying to provide them with the tools that they need to provide that value, whether it's tools that help them do workflow automation because they're trying to automate their, their build and um, CICD pipelines and, and bring New Relic and that observability in there, whether it's writing applications on the platform that, that provide unique business value to their uh, businesses. All of those are very valid personas that we look at um, as our developer population is growing and uh, as the number of developers continue to grow. <clears throat> Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive into the platform. We keep sort of getting into that. We're kind of setting this yeah. up, and, I, and the reason I, the reason we're we're dragging our feet a little bit on this is I, I want to make sure you know we have a number of of listeners who are come from sort of maybe maybe not development backgrounds in terms of they run central ops, um, they they run central IT, they're part of enterprise architecture, and and one of the things I I find in in talking to a lot of companies, I get a chance to get out and, and talk to them at different stages of their their journeys, their transformations is. A lot of times, those groups will say, um, "You know, we, we've been we've been building this platform. We've been building CI pipelines. We're we're trying to be responsive to these things that we hear that developers want." And and then, you know, somewhere along that journey, six months in, twelve months in, whatever it is, they go, "We can't figure out why developers aren't coming to us. Why aren't they using these tools we provide? Why aren't they doing the self service thing?" And and I'm curious, you know, you're running a program that has to go cater to lots of different types of developers, lots of different types of applications. Any Anything that you found from building your program um, that could be you know, valuable to those people is, is they're trying to understand, you know, we built it, they haven't come. What, what, maybe what's slowing it down? What's the, maybe what's the problem? Yeah, there's, there's a number of, there's a number of, of sort of factors um, inside of this. Um, you know, I sort of have um, three kind of, uh, 
fundamental beliefs that sort of drive and guide uh, creation of a, of a platform, uh, sorry, creation of my uh, developer program. And the first is that, you know, I like to think that all developers are created equal, whether you're working for New Relic and building the New Relic app, you know, application and, and platform, or whether you're coding on that. We want as much as possible our APIs to be the same, the tools we use to be the same, um, the, the command line interface uh, that we use to, to build on top of that. We want all of that to be the same. This notion of um, all of those things being equal, your developers um, having this notion of uh, being able to kind of contribute and use the same tools you do. So this notion of equality is very important. Um, the other thing is really looking at trying to be open first, you know, working with open protocols, working in open source, being transparent about the things in the direction you're going uh, and allowing for input and feedback along the way, kind of that feedback loop. Uh, so this notion of being open uh, is, is very, very important. And then creating this really joyful experience when you when you build something, right? Nothing is better than that, you know, aha moment when you when you do something and you see it and it works. And I think as you as you weave in those values into your program, you have to recognize that people build on your uh, platform for a specific reason. Um, you know, in, in, in the partner world, it's really easy, right? They're going and building an integration to your platform or building on, on your platform to, to get into your customer base, to integrate their platform. If you're looking at developers who are working for a company, um, you have to recognize that they're trying to distill as much value from your platform as possible. And you wanna, you wanna build the tools and the interfaces that make it easy for them to unlock that value very quickly. So Mark, that, that's really good points. And, and so let's, with that, segue into New Relic 1 specifically. What Tell us, first of all, about it, for those that aren't familiar with it. And then tell us a little bit about, about um, you know, what makes it um, beneficial and different in our industry. Oh, sure. Um, so New Relic 1 is is the industry's first observability platform. And we think there's there's a number of characteristics of, of this. You know, you have to be um, uh, open. And we like to think of it as uh, open, connected, and programmable because you're, you know, in our head, you're not really a platform if you can't write software on it. So when we think about uh, being open, this is really being able to collect the data from anywhere. Uh, we've been collecting and instrumenting things for a long time uh, since our history as a company. And now you're starting to see us being able to collect things um, from open standards and open protocols. And, and being able to collect the data from anywhere and being open is extremely important. The next piece of that is this notion of being connected. And so when we think about being connected, it's making sense of all of the data that comes in and understanding the relationships between the uh, entities or the things that you're observing in your production environments, like really having a deep understanding of that. So, you know, what applications are running on, on which hosts or all your uh, software that's running in your, in, your, uh, uh, in your clusters. And then this notion of being able to be programmable, right? Having a first class programming model on top of your platform. 
And so as we think about that, that's what makes New Relic one very different, New Relic very different from anything else that's out there. We can write real first-class applications on top of the platform that have full access to your telemetry data and can bring in a lot of your uh, um, business data on top of it. And it's it's unlocking some incredibly powerful uh, applications that we're starting to see already. Yeah. What do you... Uh... You know, observability is is sort of um, you know new 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 buzzword. Although it's you know it's it's not just monitoring, it's not just metrics. It is really kind of a different way of not only collecting data, but having you know kind of real time feedback loops, being able to uh, you know view things in a different way. What do you who are you finding um, is 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 sort of best suited for those tools? Is is observability something that's kind of platform centric, you know, that the, the ops team and an SRE team should be become experts in this? Is this something that, you know, becomes part of a toolbox for developers? Is it sort of a mix of the two of them? What, who do you find tends to, to gravitate towards, you know, this, this new capability that comes out of observability? Um, I, I think it's a mix. Uh, I think it's a mix of, of, um, of, of both of those personas that we talked about. If, if I think about, for example, uh, one of the things that developers can do is uh, have an, this notion of custom instrumentation that you provide in your code, right? You know, we, we have custom attributes, custom events um, in the code itself. And what that allows developers to do is start to think about what are the important things uh, to my business? Uh, so we think, you know, traditionally in the monitoring space, it's you know, is my is my software up and running? Are my services available? Is anything on fire? If if we take that a step further and we think about providing more business value uh, from your uh, data that sits inside of New Relic, right? From all this telemetry data, because everything that's flowing through your business uh, from a digital standpoint flows through New Relic, and as you start to think about that, you can now start to do some interesting things. Um, so, for example, uh, one of the one of our customers who who's built this application, um, uh, availability to them isn't is my service up or down? Am I able in this case to stream uh, video to to my customers? It's um, because of regulatory requirements and a customer having a subscription and being able to access that the video stream that they subscribe to anywhere in the world. It's am I able to stream? this specific video to this specific customer. Like that's what availability means. And that notion of being able to instrument that down to the individual person level is something that uh, is is incredibly important from an observability standpoint. So it goes far beyond just, am I up or down? Am I streaming fast? It's, am I meeting my business commitments uh, that I have to do um, legally in some cases? And, Mark, let me ask you this then as a follow-up to that. And this kind of combines some of the topics we've been talking about here of, okay, if you build it, will they come? And also, um, you know, giving these features to the developers, you know, when you're building out a platform, there's a certain balance that always needs to happen. And that is uh, the need for content for newer developers, you know, or or folks that are, are even, let's say, new to the platform versus you know, expert level 
if you will, right? And how do you balance the the you know the low barrier to entry, and then also at the same time provide that expert level that's often you know required as well? Yeah, this is uh, this is one of these uh, delicate balances, like you mentioned before. Um, I, I think about maximizing time to value. Um, you know, a, a developer's time is in, incredibly precious, right? And they're dealing with, you know, their deadlines, things they have to produce, um, software they have to manage and run and, and keep operational. So they're dealing with a finite amount of time. And so that maximizing that time to value is important because when you when you get them, when you get the attention cycle, you want to have some very positive feedback. Um, this is why if you look at, uh, you know, a number of developer experiences you know, across the industry, there's always this, you know, get me started in 20 minutes, get me success very, very quickly so I can get that initial, oh, I can do this, this that aha moment that we talked about. Um, at the same time, you want to provide a, a clear learning path, right? So the the developer that comes in that that might be new can can follow a set of steps and get going, but somebody who's experienced, who you know might know React, might know GraphQL, can very quickly get up and going and find where they can engage to get past that. You know, I don't need those introductory steps, but it's still a clear learning path along the way. And regardless of what you do, there there shouldn't really be any surprises, right? Your your tools should work the way they expect. You know, your CLI should work the way CLIs work. Your your REST APIs should work the way REST APIs work. And and so reducing that you know surprise factor is very very important as well. Yeah, no, it's it is it is sort of the great uh, product management uh, conundrum of do you do you. Uh, sort of make make day one super simple, or do you do you uh, adapt to the power user? And then you know what are your trade offs that you make in between, or do you skew one way or the other? Um, the the flip side of that is, um, you know, you're you're looking for feedback from community, you're looking for feedback from users. What are you know you you mentioned you know using open interfaces, trying to be transparent about what's available, good documentation. What are some of the lessons you've learned about you know working with your community, taking feedback from your community to you know, uh, in some cases, just make the experience better. And in other cases, you know, uh, deliver things that maybe you didn't even have on your on your roadmap or your radar. Um, you know, community is a is an interesting thing. What what have you found in working with community that's that's made you more successful? Yeah, well, you, I'm, I'm a little biased because you're you're talking with somebody who that used to work for a company that that did you know communities uh, as their business. So I. I think community is fundamental to a successful developer program of, of any kind. Um, and I think you have to proactively create opportunities for engagement. And that's not just the in-person engagement that everybody loves, like hackathons and meetups and things like that, but also through that community and that, that asynchronous engagement um, and even open source and, and code, right? Developers love code. It's what we do. So being able to engage in all of those mediums is, is very, very important. Um, and, and when you, when you do engage, you, you have to be open to feedback, good, good and bad. That means you have to have confidence when you've 
done something that may not be the greatest. You kind of have to own your mistakes. Um, you you have to be supportive for folks that might be, you know, the beginners that we had talked about before who might ask that, you know, how do I get started question? Um, and they have to have that confidence to engage to know they're not going to, um, you know, kind of get ignored or things like that. Um, and you really have to listen and be responsive to your community and your developers and and tune and adjust your program uh, where you can as as you go. So being open to to feedback is very important. And I also this notion of 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 allowing people to have pride in what they do and celebrating success and recognizing uh, contribution when somebody jumps in and answers a question, uh, when they give advice or when they open source something, you know, being able to recognize that and reward people, um, even if it's the, you know, that was a great job um, or community badging, things like that. But recognition for um, contribution and participation is very important. So Mark, well, we'll that's, Really good point. And we'll close out with kind of a follow on to exactly that of what, what's what's kind of some lessons learned, right? There's a lot of best practices and recommendations in there, but we always love to talk about lessons learned, right? What are some lessons learned in your history of building developer programs? Uh, be deliberate is one. Um, know who you're going after first um, and being very uh, prescribed about um, how you're going to go off and target that particular uh, developer or developer persona. Uh, so for example, uh, when we were uh, at Jive, uh, we didn't really have developers on the platform. This was something very, very new. So we had a big push around developer acquisition. At New Relic, developers are a big part of our um, customer base. It's it's who we it's who uses our software. So um, understanding the tools that they need and providing the tools they need to be able to quickly instrument their code uh, with our you know using our SDKs or being able to quickly get up and running and and build a new Relic One application. Um, you know that sort of activation phase of our existing developers is one you know a key focus. So understanding and being deliberate about who you're going after is is one place uh, to start. Another place to start is you, you can't have, uh, you know, uh, your documentation uh, has to be good and has to be, um, you know, targeted for that audience. Uh, and you can never have documentation that is, um, that can't be improved, right? You're always iterating on that, making sure it's up, up to date and current. Uh, because that's where developers encounter often, you know, your your uh, platform, your ecosystem for the very first time is how do I get started with this? How do I build on this? You know, what do I do? Um, and so your your documentation is critical for success. It's kind of your it's your welcome mat, if you will, for developers. Um, and that's an area that you know always have to pay attention to. Uh, and then I think to your to the point we just talked about, you know, being able to engage, uh, being able to have a way to deliver um, information to your developers and iterate and get feedback from your developers, uh, that tight feedback loop. You know, think about how you're going to engage and 
how you're going to take that feedback and work it into your program. Yeah. I'm going to wrap it up with that, Mark. Let me, let me ask you real quick um, before, we, before we hit the road. Um, what's the best way for folks to uh, you know, not only engage uh, with the, new, uh, the new, 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 new Relic One platform, but also uh, the community? What are, what are some places where you're finding engagement, uh, maybe the best uh, website to go to and, and kind of get started? Well, you can go to developernewrelic.com, and you know one of the one of the key things that we wanted to be able to do is make our platform accessible. So uh, you can get a developer edition of New Relic. You can just sign up for it, and you have access to the platform to start building on. So developernewrelic.com is essentially the entry point there. Um, we've got a community at discussnewrelic.com as well, and you can. Um, uh, engage there. That's where a number of our um, developers are and live. It's it's our community. And of course, um, open source, uh, we have a GitHub repository with a number of applications we've uh, open sourced. And there's a number of things that you can use there to, to get you started building on New Relic. Very cool. Very cool. We will, uh, folks, we will, as always, get those in the show notes. Mark, Thank you so much for the time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, <clears throat> we, we There will be a lot of folks who will be listening to this, and we're going to drop this right before Thanksgiving. So, folks, as you're thinking about uh, you know, how to better engage the developers within your organization and, and probably more importantly, how do you, how do you make your developers successful? Uh, Mark's given us a lot of really good things to think about, both in terms of the technology but also kind of how to m- modify people's thinking and the process around making them successful. So, Mark, again, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, for myself and for Aaron, uh, as always, we thank you so much for listening. We're thankful uh, that you listen every week and, and tell a friend and uh, rate the show on iTunes. And happy Thanksgiving, everybody, if you're listening to this right when it drops. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 